Good morning, Elder Park Church. My name is Mary Hulse. I serve as the university pastor at Calvin University here in Grand Rapids. And I am a member of Elder Park and delighted to be back in the building, even though it's without you. Uh, we are together in this of uh, figuring out a way through the pandemic. And I remain uh, with so many of us so grateful for the leadership of our church to keep us safe and healthy. This morning, friends, we're going to look at a great story from Easter Sunday. It's the story of Jesus on the road with two other people who don't know who he is. We're looking at Luke 24. Luke 24, beginning to read at verse 13. I invite you to follow along. Now, that same day, that is Easter day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? He asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe everything that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those assembled together and saying, It's true, the Lord's risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. There they are, walking down the road trudging along, trying to make sense of what had just happened. 
Their Jesus, the one that they followed, the one that they loved, was killed mercilessly by their religious leaders. They had hoped that he would be the one to set them free. They had hoped that he would be the one to lead them against Rome. They had hoped that he was the Messiah promised by God. They had hoped that their future would be better than their past. They had hoped. But now this. Jesus tried overnight and then marched through the streets, crucified, died, buried. What happened to all their hopes? They were grief-stricken, sleep-starved, downcast. What had happened to their hopes? Have you been there? We had hoped that God would heal our daughter. We had hoped that our children would love Jesus and stay in the church. We had hoped that Alzheimer's wouldn't claim our dad. We had hoped that we had seen the last video of an unarmed black person being shot. We had hoped that the pandemic would be done by now. We had hoped. And now this. And we're left like these two on the road. Grief-stricken. Downcast. The students that I work with at Calvin are relentlessly focused on the future. They, they need to be. It's that season of life. And when you're in the academic calendar, you're constantly looking at the next deadline, the next assignment, the next thing to be done, the next semester. And you've got all these people in your life who are asking you questions like, well, what are you majoring in? And what are you going to do with that? And what's next for you? And you just feel this pressure all the time, like, I've got to know my plan. I've got to lay it out. And so they lay out their hopes. They lay out their hopes very distinctly and clearly. This semester, I will take these classes. This semester, I will go abroad. I will get accepted into the nursing program. I will get this internship. I will land that job. This is my plan. These are my hopes. And then things don't go the way that they hoped. They don't get into the nursing program. They don't get the internship. They don't land the job. The person they had hoped to marry breaks up with them. And what I see so often is that they're a bit bewildered by God in those moments. Like, God, um, what was the deal here? What's going on? I thought, I thought uh, you and I were in this together. I thought, I thought we had a plan. I thought, I thought, like, the deal was if I... I live a pretty decent life, then you're supposed to bless me. That's the way this is supposed to go. And as far as I can tell, I've done pretty good on my part. So what are you doing here, God? I had hoped that you would do these things in my life, and you have not. I thought we had a deal. I worship God so he'll make my life a little easier, a little better, pain-free, I thought, God, that we had a deal. These two on the road have made the same deal. 
If we follow Jesus, he'll set us free. Our lives will get easier. Israel will throw off the shackles of Rome and life will be good again. That's the deal. But that's not what happened. They're downcast, trudging home, confused, sad. And now they got this guy on the road who's clueless about it all. I mean, come on, buddy. Have you not been paying attention? Seriously. So they summon the energy to tell him the most painful thing that they've endured. We had hoped, and you can, you can imagine their voices quivering. You can imagine the tears in their eyes. We had hoped that he would be the one. And Jesus puts a hand on their shoulders. Oh, it's okay. There, there, there. No, that's not what he does at all. He says, ah, oh, come on. How foolish you are and how slow of heart. Not to believe everything the prophet said. I mean, come on. Ouch. Thanks a lot, strange man on the road. But then he launches into the most amazing Bible study they have ever had, starting with Genesis, going all the way through the Hebrew scriptures, showing them that the Messiah had to suffer and then be raised to glory. Showing them that God was doing exactly what God was supposed to do. Showing them that the Messiah wasn't going to redeem them from suffering, but redeem them through suffering. Showing them that the women that morning were right. Jesus tells them the whole story. God is up to so much more than they could ask or imagine. And they've been listening so intently and having this intimate conversation that they suddenly realize, oh, they're home. Stay with us, they say. We want this conversation to continue. They do exactly what Jesus had trained them to do, was when you see a stranger, you welcome them in. When you see a stranger, you give them something to eat. They welcome him in. They give him something to eat. And much to their amazement, he breaks the bread. He gives it to them. And Luke uses a really interesting turn of phrase here. He says, and their eyes were opened. Do you remember another time in scripture when people eat a food and their eyes are opened? Genesis. And Eve gave the fruit to Adam and he ate and the eyes of both of them were opened. And last time, their eyes were opened to the pain and the suffering in the world. Last time, their eyes were opened to the hurt and sorrow they could cause each other. Last time, they saw death. This time, here in this story, Jesus opens their eyes up to resurrection. Their eyes are open to the one who took on the pain, who took on the sorrow, who took on the death and rose from the grave. Their eyes are open to Jesus. Their eyes are open to hope. Is it any wonder that they go back to Jerusalem and tell their friends? Yesterday, I learned at a community event that when people uh, lose a limb to amputation, that there are certified peer educators who go into the hospital room and talk about their experience. And the certified peer educator is someone who has had the same experience, someone who's also lost a limb. So they go into the hospital room and they sit down and they talk about 
their loss and their surgeries and their complications and they show them their prosthetic and they say, look, now I can walk again. Look, now I can even run again. Look, this incident that happened to you, this loss in your life, this isn't the end of your story. There is more yet to come. They give them a glimpse of resurrection. In this walk on the road to Emmaus, Jesus trains these two to be certified peer educators. They have experienced the loss, and now they have experienced the resurrection, and it's their job to go out and tell everybody else. Their eyes have been opened. Jesus opened their eyes, and they can't wait to have others have that same experience. They can't wait for them to see resurrection. When Jesus opens your eyes to resurrection, you can't but help tell other people. On Friday, we had a dad and his daughter visiting Calvin, who are missionaries from a Central American country. And we were talking about the challenge of doing mission in the middle of a pandemic. And the dad said, yeah, at the beginning, we were just so discouraged. We were so disappointed. We couldn't see people. Our friends were losing their jobs. They didn't have enough food. We didn't know if we should stay in country or go back to the States. We didn't know when the borders were going to close. And he said, I just, I made this small appeal and I said, hey, we'd like to at least buy some food for the people that we're working with because they're, they're running out of food. And he said, I thought maybe we'd get $500. He said, we got $25,000 in donations. He said, we had to turn a room in our house into a food pantry. I put so many bags of rice on the back of my truck that I broke the springs. He said, that's what happened. He said, here we were in like the worst situation possible and boom, and the person standing next to me listening to the story and said, you know, God just does that. He's just going to show off sometimes. Do you see resurrection? A mom joins a support group for parents with children who have diabetes. And she writes that she's so just downcast. She's so overwhelmed. She's so scared of doing something wrong that could hurt her child. And she gets all these messages. Oh, man, been there. Been there. I get it. I know it. Let me give you a few tips. Let me give you a few tips. Let me speak into this. Let me tell you where my child is now. Let me tell you how the story keeps going. Do you see the resurrection? For someone racked by addiction, a sober person gives them hope. For someone losing a parent to dementia, a support group gives them what they need to keep going. For all of us who've grown weary of masks and distance, the vaccine is a shot for life. Do you see resurrection? These are glimpses of life, glimpses of hope, glimpses that God is at work, even now, even in this, to bring life. Little glimpses of what is yet to come, little glimpses, little foretastes of that grand day when Jesus will return and all who are dead will rise again and we will see them 
Tommy and Olivia and Rebecca. We will see Roger. We will see them. Pat, we will see them again. Jesus longs to open our eyes to resurrection. We're so good at seeing the bad. We're so good at seeing the evil from, you know, 10,000 miles away. We can spot it well. And Jesus is like, oh, open your eyes. Let me open your eyes to resurrection. Let me open your eyes to what I am doing. So where do you want Jesus to open your eyes this week? Maybe it's a relationship that's gotten a bit bumpy or a marriage that's grown a little flat. Maybe it's in your work. Maybe there's a relationship at school that just needs some life. Where is God working to open your eyes to resurrection? Because Jesus is at work. And he still loves to surprise us. Jesus opens our eyes. Blessed be his name. Amen. You pray with me. Jesus, we thank you for all the ways in which you continue to open our eyes, to direct our attention, to show us how you are at work how death does not have the final say, how our stories do not end in loss, but you keep calling us to look, to see life, to see you. Open our eyes, we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. of grace is Jesus my Redeemer there is no more for heaven now to give he is my joy my righteousness and freedom my steadfast love my deep and boundless peace to this I hope, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing, all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. night is dark, but I am not forsaken, for by my side the Savior He will stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing, for in my need His power is displayed. To this I hope my
my shepherd will defend me through the deepest valley he will lead oh the night has been won and i shall overcome yet not i but through christ in Fate I dread, I know I am forgiven. The future sure, the price it has been paid. For Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon, and he was raised to overcome the grave. I hope my sin has been defeated. Jesus now and never is my plea. All oh, the chains are released. I can sing, I am free, yet not I, but through Christ in great to have a, a full band this morning. So thanks to Brent and Phil and Mark, <clears throat> Sarah, Cameron. It's a, it's a really wonderful thing. And soon we shall be together, soon and very soon. I invite you uh, to receive the blessing from the God who loves us. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.